everyone. Welcome to Show and Tell. I'm Carrie. This podcast is the brainchild of a group of learning technologists working within the NHS. Uh, we found ourselves regularly talking about digital awareness among educators within the NHS and how we, as the Technology Enhanced Learning team, could support such a diverse group who are spread across so many roles and departments within the NHS as a whole. So after chatting over a bunch of options, the idea for this podcast was born. Each episode, two or more of us will be chatting about a different topic relating to technology and learning. It's really informal and conversational, but hopefully it'll give you some ideas or get you to think about your own practice. In this first episode, uh, Sarah Willett and I uh, chat about the impact of the pandemic on teaching and learning within the NHS and how educators within the Trust have adapted to new ways of working. I must stress, though, the discussion here is entirely our own thoughts and opinions. Uh, it doesn't necessarily reflect that of the Trust that we work in. So, without further ado, I'll pass you over. So, here's me and Sarah chatting about keeping up with COVID. On this particular episode, we're going to be talking about keeping up with COVID, aren't we? So, how how educators have, have kind of adapted and reacted and proacted to the whole sort of COVID situation. So, do you want to get us started, Sarah? Yeah, I think one of the things that is probably what I will say before we go into it is around that COVID took everyone by surprise. And I think lockdown was something that took absolutely everyone by surprise. But I think educators um, were kind of caught off guard by it because it was just all of a sudden nothing was allowed anymore. No face to face, everything we ever knew about education and the, the way that it was, the status quo of education just kind of became no more. I don't know if you found that as well, Carrie. It was totally crazy, wasn't it? I mean, you know, all of a sudden we went from being able to put sort of 30 people in a training room, you know, come in, you know, everybody, oh, please, you know, come in for a half day session, you know, we can fit 30 of you in the room, you know, realistically to social distancing kind of drops that down to about six or something like that. So all of a sudden we've, we have, we, we, for starters, we haven't got spaces big enough to house everybody. We haven't got the capacity to, to actually deliver that many sessions. Um, yeah. and, and it wasn't like a transition period or anything, was it? It was just sort of instant, right? This yeah. is here. Stop everything. Absolutely stop yeah. everything. And everybody's just kind of like deer caught in the headlights, kind of going, oh my God, what do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> it was bonkers. It was. And I think that is, yeah, I think it was like once we got over the initial, I think there was about a month where I sort of just sat there kind of like, ah, okay, what, what do I do now? Because I... Obviously, we as a team were impacted, so it's like our wider team. So, so I you, you were team. you were still working as the safeguarding trainer at the time, weren't you? I know, in the, yeah, yeah, in the process of changing roles at the minute, you're kind of working in notice period as as we record yeah. this. Uh, but you were working as a safeguarding trainer at the minute. So how how does how did that impact? Because you were doing a lot of delivery, a lot of face to face delivery. A lot of face-to-face and I think one of the issues, one of the big issues, and you're right, yeah, I was working as a safeguarding trainer, so I'm responsible for the, all of the training across the whole trust for all of the staff ultimately in terms of safeguarding and that is seen as a, well, essentially as a business critical, it's a, you know, it's a, a training that everyone has to do, it's a mandatory training um, and it's overseen by the safeguarding committee and, and by the chief executive nurse and the deputy chief executive nurses so it is something that had to continue there was there was no real um you know does it what what can we do you know that sort of thing it was very much it, it has to continue so um yeah that was a real challenge because one of the i suppose one of the biggest challenges is that um 
we weren't really prepared in terms of the online packages that were had. So the adults level three that was delivering was very much face-to-face, very small kind of social sessions that relied heavily on, on participants having group discussions, talking together, lots of group and paired activities. Um, and that, of course, all completely stopped. And there was no online package for the adults level three either. So there was essentially no way at all for staff to complete that training. Um, so one of the things that I did that I thought was, well, it was about collaborating really with other teams in the trust who were able to support with that. So obviously, you know, um, we worked together, Carrie, on package. Uh, we had a great day of filming, didn't we? It, did. was, it was actually, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. You talk really fast. <laughs> you can probably hear that now. Um, but I think... That was really useful for me because I think it kind of got us thinking about actually this isn't the only way to to do training. You know, it doesn't have to be this face-to-face kind of discussion sessions. Well, that is, you know, that was the way I'd always done and that was the way that I relied upon um, and was comfortable with. And I think that's really important actually is to move, maybe moved everyone way outside what they're comfortable with with delivery. Well, so just just touching on that, actually, when you think about it, it's, um, oh, what's that? What's that quote from? Is it Einstein? Something like insanity is doing the same thing over and over in the same way, but expecting different results or something like that. You know, if you're, yeah. you're delivering, say, you've got an adult level three, uh, it's the exact same session. It's a, it's a Staten Man based session. So it has to be delivered exactly the same every time to make sure that you've hit those learning points. So yeah. there's an element of like heavily, heavy reliance on consistency, like in your delivery. Um, so if you're delivering that same thing, exactly the same. And I mean, how many times a week would, were you probably having to do that? Well, I was doing about, I was averaging about 10 sessions a week. In Good grief. Busy across both, so safeguarding adults and safeguarding children. Well, that's, a, that's a lot of sessions. So if you're having to deliver yeah. that same session, the, the exact same way every single time, like why, why not produce a, you know, some kind of alternative package that, that, that makes sure it's delivered in the exact same way? I mean, so, and that's what we ended up doing, didn't we? We, we worked together. We, we produced a, a piece of e-learning that was kind of heavily video-based. You know, it had lots of video segments in, um, you know, relating to the, the, uh, the slides and the topics that you were going through. But we put a few sort of quizzes and a couple of, a couple of different kind of fun elements in there. How, how do you think that's different? So how do you think an online kind of e-learning package is different from a classroom-based session because the, the content's exactly the same, but you're missing out on that kind of that kind of constructivist kind of pedagogy almost, aren't you? That that kind of social interaction. So how how do we how did we create that in the online package? Um well I think that's probably a question for you as well, because I think it was a, a collaborative effort. But I think in terms of the the online package, we're kind of it was well, we used a video of me still talking oh, how can we you've totally thrown us with that question i feel like i'm in a job you know what it is you know what it is i was start, <laughs> i was starting to write it down in a post-it note so i could show you i was going to write down case studies case studies <laughs> <laughs> I, was so, curious, I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You're like, oh, so, 
yeah, that's, that's a good question. So, well, so this, this touches on a couple of aspects, really, because on the, on the one hand, there's, there's some really great ways to include sort of social learning and our, our kind of social tools in online, you know, in online packages. So you can include message boards and um, all sorts of interactive things, comments, things like that. But we have a little bit of a restriction in the trust, don't we? Because the, the learner management system that we use doesn't support things like that. Yeah. So we so we can't actually put on kind of comment boards because one of the things that we really that I tried to do a couple of years ago was was include was embed kind of Padlet boards so that people could comment and then you know every time somebody accesses the package they're learning from everybody else and you know it's it's that great kind of it's Vygotsky in action isn't it we love a bit of Vygotsky we we, do. we, we embody Vygotsky um, so um, so one of the things that we did instead was create kind of case studies so you had a couple of case studies in the sessions. But we kind of took them, we took them into the online practice, didn't we? So we created some, um, it was kind of the next best thing. We created some survey monkey um, kind of questionnaires for them um, and put a couple of kind of question prompts um, in, the, in the case studies. And then what you're able to do after that is pull off all that data from SurveyMonkey and kind of review the questions. I don't think we asked, I don't think we asked for anybody's names or I think we might have, we might have put that as, a, as an optional field. Um, in case did, I, yeah. I remember the discussion that we had about it because I said if there's a like a, a theme with people getting the answer incorrect or if there's you know issues then that's probably more potentially a training thing rather than an individual thing but it would be yeah. good to kind of pin I think what I what we asked for was job rules and then we'll potentially I think we'll ask for job rules. So then we could pinpoint actually maybe is there a, a training issue within that job rule rather than looking at it from like a oh that person doesn't know the answer type kind yeah, of yeah. angle really. So and that's been really interesting actually because you've sent me um the data, you've sent me the um the answers from that. And just looking through it, actually, people answer with quite a lot of detail and it's really heartening actually to, to actually see that um, and see that data because you would think and I, I always just think you know if people are rushed and they've got no time and they're working through a package they'll just sort of skip over those kind of tasks and be like ah oh, no no but actually what's been really heartening and really positive is to see how many people have really taken the time to engage yeah. with those case studies and to fill that in and, and to actually fill it in quite a detailed response as well yeah. um, and really apply the things that they've been doing on the training to the case studies, which is, you know, obviously what, what, what the dream really ultimately, um, to it's apply worked, it's worked, in a context. Yeah. It's worked really well that package, I think. Um, did you just out of curiosity though? So, I mean, I know you, you and I were, were kind of had, you know, we'd spoken a lot before this had happened, you know, we were, we were in contact anyway. Um, but did you, did you know that the tell team existed at that point? Like, would you, would you have, yeah. If you and I hadn't spoken to each other, do you think you would have heard of the tell team? No, if I'm totally honest, I don't think I would. And what's interesting, and it's really interesting that you should ask us that, because everyone that I've spoken to since then, um, and obviously I'm transitioning and I'm joining the... You are joining the tell team. I'm super excited. Um, Can't wait for and you we, And we discussed this the other day, and we're talking about actually the profile of tell across the trust, um, because everyone that I've spoken to has no idea that tell exists and I think that is yeah I think I wouldn't have known that this existed had I not linked in with you through my PGCE and had you as my mentor yeah. um 
which is. Can, you know, I, I just, I feel, sorry, I feel the need to just clarify there. Yes, I may, I may very well be acting as your mentor, but I swear to God, I have learned as much from you as you may have learned from me. Honestly, if this has been a mutually it, beneficial arrangement. <laughs> I feel like just maybe cut that bit out with the case studies and then everyone will believe that bit. <laughs> cut out that wait, bit where wait. I know the answer what you'd ask me and then uh, I'm sure everyone will believe you. <laughs> um, but no, I honestly think, no, I wouldn't have known who the child team are, I don't think I would have um, had, to be honest, had any idea. And one of the things that, since I've worked in the NHS, that I've really found is that, and this isn't a, a bad thing, but I think because our trust is, is massive, we work often in isolation. And I think yeah. we'll have we'll kind of work in our silos. Um, and actually, that collaboration and the working with you, obviously the PGC and linking up in terms of professional, um, I suppose, development, really, uh it's been fantastic but yeah you're absolutely right I, i'm not sure i wouldn't have known where to go with a problem like that mm-hmm. if i didn't know that what your team did yeah so i think that might be something and i don't think um yeah i think that is just a a kind of a challenge really because i think people might have visions for what they want that could be um addressed by the team i mean necessarily know to go with yourselves I mean, we've had, you know, there's been a lot of requests for work since since COVID happened. Um, you know, so since since March, we've had we've had dozens of requests for for learning to be delivered in different ways. Um, I mean, we've we've converted, oh, I say converted, but we've we've put a lot of kind of induction processes and things like that online. We've been asked to help out with with oh, an absolute plethora of of, of different projects. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do, but the, as you say there's going to be a lot of people throughout the trust who who either don't know we exist or or who who maybe have just have just kind of tried to muggle on and do it themselves so how do you how do you think do you think people how do you think people have adapted do you think they have adapted do you think they've been reactive or proactive or i don't know what 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 do you think's the what do you think's the feel from from our fellow educators Hmm. I think in terms of fellow educators, I think we've all been reactive. I think what's interesting, and I'll talk about this because it's not necessarily trust specific, but this is something, obviously I'm doing a PGCE, so I'm um, linking in with educators in another context, well in a range of contexts, so that a lot of the people on my course uh, work for a local college and they um, are all kind of in the same boat and we're all very much in this kind of boat of um well you know well initially we were all very much like ah what's the best video conferencing tool to use what's the best how do we adapt this resource for this and suddenly things like that that seemed like old hat like clickers um and and you know things that we used to use years ago suddenly seemed like the best thing ever because they did a job that we weren't able to do in face-to-face sessions and obviously um I've kind of gone a little bit off piece here with your question, but I very much think it is a reactive thing. And I think we all have had to just be completely reactive in learning from each other. And I think that's something that's been really useful in that, um, well, it's pushed us out of, me personally, it's pushed me out of what I would see as, you know, high quality, top end delivery. And actually, 
it's totally changed my perception of that because just because you can't do face-to-face sessions, that doesn't mean that the learners don't deserve, yeah. you know, what I would think, you know, oh, well, you know, it's not the best for learners. But actually, I've found that the learners, and for me, it's all about the learners, and that's the angle that I'll always come at, you know, what what's best for our learners. Um, that actually Starleaf works really well. So we've been de- delivering training over Starleaf, and that was very much a reactive thing. It was like, right, what's the easiest platform that we'll have that can reach 14,500 staff that everyone yeah. has access to? Because I think accessibility while yes, we're trying to be reactive, but actually one of the biggest challenges, if we're going to be honest in the NHS, is access to, not accessibility, but access to, to technology. How do you how do you think that's worked though? Because I mean, there's, you know, across the trust, we know, you know, you know, typically and historically, I guess, the likes of nurses and kind of ward-based staff have difficulty just generally kind of getting, you know, getting access to computers on a day-to-day basis. So how how have you found how have you found the uptakes been in in terms of kind of clinical staff because that's predominantly who you who you're delivering to i guess so how's what's uptake been like well interestingly i think because we had a lot of services so in the first lockdown we had a lot of services that went on hold um and and right. we had services where um they'd been stood down so actually we had staff who were able to access what's interesting is that in the first lockdown I had sessions that were fully booked for weeks in advance. I had to add an additional, I think it was 20 sessions because I'd limited the amount of participants with Starleaf um, to 12 per session. Um, and actually what I found was that they were fully booked and they were absolutely chock-a-block, basically. Um, so in terms of that, it didn't seem to be an issue. We had a lot of staff accessing on phones. So staff who were shielding, who were downloaded Starleaf to personal computers and personal mobile phones because that was... Um, easier for them because the um yeah the connection or whatever it was they might not have had the work laptop at home or not an appropriate work laptop or didn't have a had a computer but didn't have a webcam on it but doesn't that just demonstrate how how well and a and a and sort of adaptable that this you know oh just it makes my heart sing because so within the within the trust, you've maybe got difficulties with people getting access to webcams or what have you. But you know, how how many of us have got a smartphone? You know, all of these technologies yeah. are designed for accessing on a smartphone. You might not have the same functions. You know, you might not be able to access the chat, or it yeah. might be trickier. Kind of, you know, Starleaf's not. You know, it's it, you can't really support kind of breakout rooms and things like that. But there's, you know, you can still get somebody attending that session. Did you find you had to um, you had to change your session at all for for delivery online? Because obviously people are people learn in a slightly different way when they're you know when they're when they're in an online environment. So did you change it at all, or was that a, was that an iterative thing? Um, yeah, I think the first the first reactive step for me, and I think you're right in terms of the the flexibility and the adaptability. And I just want to add on to that before I go into this is that I had a lush session where I had two district nurses who dialed in in the same office and they were helping each other out with tech stuff. Oh, and I just thought like, this is just, just the most lovely thing. Cause it was like the start of the session and they were, they didn't have mics built into their PCs. Nothing. Right, yeah. They were in an office, socially distant, wearing their masks, um, dialing in and helping each other, you know, you've got to turn this off for this. And when you put your audio on, you've got to do this. And they found that they had like the voice activation, 
things. And oh, if the plug yeah, goes the, the into their yeah, if the plug goes into their computers, they could use them as a microphone. That's so just like, that's just a fantastic example, <laughs> isn't it? Of just that adaptability and that you know problem solving digitally. That is just yeah. Um, but ask us the question again because I've forgotten what it was. Uh, I remember I used the word iterative. Oh yeah, did you have to change your session much for? <laughs> dreadful, <are we? laughs> did you have to change your session much for for delivering online, or, or uh, you know, did, or did you just go straight from the session that you would deliver in in the classroom? Did you just do that online and then kind of change it as you went through? Well, no, basically. So I knew. Well, knowing what I know, I mean, knowing how the face-to-face worked, I knew there was elements of that that just probably wouldn't work online. The first thing for me was to to test it. I'm a, definitely a, a doer and then a reflector. Yeah. So I'm very much a, I'm going to give it a, give it a go. I'll get some feedback from the learners um, and then I'll, I'll adapt it based on what they say and what I think and reflect on it and kind of meet in the middle somewhere. So we did a bit of a, a, a trial run with the safeguarding team. So we're kind of, everyone logged on and just really just to try it out. And I think that's half the, the battle really is just giving it a go and just having oh, a go. And you're reflect preaching to the choir, sister. Preaching to the choir. <laughs> oh no, so is it did, No, it's the choir. <laughs> um, so we did like a little trial session and kind of identified what we thought worked, what maybe didn't, and what I found was, what happened in the face-to-face session was that we had a list of acronyms and the acronyms linked all the way through the training and it was very much an interactive, it was a pub quiz basically. So there was four rounds to it. Um, I'm thinking specifically of the Safeguarding Children one because that was the first one that we adapted. Pub quiz, four rounds. So we looked at actually how can we adapt these rounds to make it relevant and make the PowerPoint you know, relevant. And one of the things that it really made us think about was accessibility because I knew that staff would potentially be accessing on phones and obviously putting text on slides and putting you know things where the pictures are not great and they can't see it. So I thought, well, there's a few things, changes that I'm going to have to make. Um, and obviously uh, as part of the the training uh, that the staff get the slides afterwards so if they can't see it then they're able to, to have a little look back at what they've missed but in terms of activities I had to do much more in terms of visual prompts so part of one of the the, the quizzes I think one of the things that I really struggled with in the first instance was formative assessment which mm, sounds yeah. like it would be the most easiest thing in the world to do but actually in terms of the, I suppose app comes back to access. A lot of staff attend the sessions without the video on, so they'll right, attend right. just audio, and some of them will attend with video and audio, but some of them will turn their video off. So that's really difficult because in the trust, actually, we might have staff who don't have a webcam, but therefore they should still have an equal opportunity to access the training. Yeah. Or we can't really say, well, you know, you can't you can't attend the training because you don't have a webcam. Um, so it was really difficult to adjust to that because one of the things that I kind of get a real feel for in sessions is that ongoing formative monitoring observation assessment because you know there's discussions that you can listen in on you can kind of go in with your stretch and challenge questions you kind of get a feel for the room you read the room when you're a responsive teacher and that is something that you don't get obviously in 
online. So I think that was rather than the actual activities, because I think they adapted quite well. We did we send around the resource in advance. We I do like a gap fill exercise where I blank out words and then reveal those words afterwards. We do like a a little Socrative quiz where learners all have a chance to engage. We do a case study discussion, which works really well. I ask for examples and then we all discuss things. So in terms of the activities, they're very similar, adapted for online, but one of the issues was around assessment really for me. And I think that was a real challenge because I'm a big fan of an open question as a discussion starter. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you do that on Starleaf, what you'll usually get is a wall of silence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the painful uh, wall of silence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been much more, and I think it's really interesting because it's made me more of a direct questioner and it's made me a more confident direct questioner and it's made me rely more on my presumed knowledge of learners as well, which sometimes doesn't work. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's successful and sometimes it's not. So for example, if I have a health visitor on the train and the chances are they'll be fairly okay with domestic violence because we get a lot of referrals from them. Um, so I would maybe go to them with a directed question around that as the more knowledgeable other. We we'll love a bit of I got skills. Yeah, we so do. Oh man, he's, he's, you know, oh, I just, I've got big, big heart eyes for Vygotsky. <laughs> heart eye emoji. Um, so I've become more of a direct questioner and I think that's not a bad thing. Um, but it is, I do rely on that quite heavily and I think it's, I have to move away from that and I think that's something that I'm, uh, I'm keen to do. So I'm developing my sessions so that I don't rely as much on targeting individuals and how can we create more of a, I suppose, like, a discussion around things rather than it's just really difficult I honestly find that part really difficult it might it might be I don't know if it might be slightly easier if when you know when we make the the move on to on to delivering via teams because I think teams has got a teams is more of a a kind of collaborative a collaborative package you know a collaborative uh, tool where where Starleaf is basically it's a video conferencing app isn't it you know it's 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 a Skype yeah it's a Skype yeah um, so it sounds actually. It sounds from from what you've said. It sounds like from a, from a learner point of view, you know, from a um, like from the learner's perspective, it doesn't seem like there's much of a, a kind of fear in them of of using these new texts. You know, of um, you know the, the the learners just kind of go right, brilliant. It's been delivered on Starleaf. That's that's fine. Do you think there's a fear among, or a, a, a reluctance or reticence among any of the educators to adapt to using the to using tech? <laughs> it's like the million dollar question. No, isn't no, it? Don't put me in that position. You're the person that should be answering that. Shall I ask you that, Carrie? Yes, you. Yeah, go on then. You you ask me that. I'll ask you that. Okay. Well, I feel like I've talked a little bit about me from a, an educator's point of view, but I'm quite interested in getting your perspective, Carrie. Okay around do you feel that educators do you think that there's any reluctance on the part of educators to be reactive or to kind of engage with technologies in terms of education i mean i i, I really think there is i think so when when this 
when when lockdown first happened and we 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 had to, the the team had to sort of cancel all of their all of the learning um i was i'm a i'm a big fan of cpd i do i do mountains of continuing professional development and i watch loads of webinars you know joining loads of webinars i watch loads of um loads of videos on youtube listen to podcasts and all sorts and there was a straight away almost immediately there was a bunch of stuff came out you know how to adapt your training uh, you know how to put your training online and stuff like that and yeah. um and i just generally i just generally find this there is a there is a reluctance to to start using these technologies you know i mean like you you started using starleaf almost i'm not i'm not say straight away but almost straight away you were, you were quite quick to do that Whereas I think there's, I think there was some people who kind of took, maybe took a step back and said, right, well, we need to plan this first. You know, we need to, we need to think about what we're doing here because, you know, I, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the reluctance is either. Is it a reluctance to, that maybe the learner doesn't get the best experience or is it a, is a reluctance, is the reluctance because an educator's worried they'll, they'll, Oh, I'm going to say it. Is it, you know, is it because they think they'll look stupid? You know, that they'll do a bad job of it or something like that? You know, I, I honestly don't know, but I genuinely, I genuinely feel there's a, you know, for those people who are used to delivering face-to-face -face sessions in classroom, there is a reluctance. They've done it. You know, we, I've seen, I've seen educators across the trust uh, delivering things online and asking for, um, asking for things to be to be produced in a in an online you know in in, in a, a kind of online format but mm. there is there is a, a an almost fear of using the technology and mm. i think one of the um and you and i have talked about this a, a few times before it's it's cropped up regularly um i think one of the one of the biggest kind of beneficial um assets oh no assets is the wrong word um you know, one of the one of the one of the greatest skills I think that somebody who's working in technology in learning, one of the biggest skills that they can have is to just be curious, you know, to have that kind of that willingness Absolutely. to try things. Um, I'm sure you you put it in a much better way the other week, didn't you, when we were talking about it? How was it you how was it you phrased it? I can't remember. Um but yeah, just having a willingness to try, you know, just just to 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 think, oh no, we've got this video conferencing app. Uh, tool like how how could we deliver training on that and then getting on it having a go and going oh well that didn't work very well let's try it differently you know or you know just thinking I, I hate using the term because it's so trite but thinking outside the box a little bit just saying right well we usually deliver this thing online uh, we usually deliver this thing in the classroom how can we do it in in an online way or an asynchronous way oh man asynchronous is basically my buzzword at the minute I'm like I'm 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 big into I'm big into, big into making everything asynchronous because I just think in a busy trust, you know, busy NHS, 21st century, people should be able to access learning at their own pace, in their yeah. own, you know, in their own preferred space, um, you know, and I do I do think this kind of you know bringing people into a classroom for for four hours just isn't yeah. really practical in this day and age, you know, especially yeah. at the minute, it's not really a practical solution. Um, no, you know, when you, when it's not a safe solution at the minute. And I no, no, that's no, really no, no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. Um, but we need to. Just we, a question on what you've said. Yeah, okay, it's all do you think there's a link then? I mean, that, this might be a very obvious link, but do you think <laughs> that there's a link between 
people's willingness to teach digitally in their own digital schools? Do you think there's a... Yes, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, well, funnily enough, so... I think that was a leading question, but... Uh... <laughs> Wasn't leading at all. Um, yeah, so one of the one of the things that we put in the in the in the tell strategy actually was the was the sort of upskilling of the educators in terms of their digital skills and their their kind of digital abilities, um, and I and I do think it's that, but uh, one of the things that I really want to do is to kind of empower educators across the trust, and I guess actually this is one of the reasons that we decided to start this podcast in the first place because we really yeah. want to to empower educators across the trust to just yeah. have a go you know to to, to think oh you know this, there's this great technology out there you know let's have a practice of it or let's let's try and use it in a session and if it doesn't work great no bother but it's also not about using technology for technology's sake however and i hear this all the time i hear oh i hear people saying oh you know it's like don't just use technology for technology's sake however yeah. as the tell team i kind of feel like that's our mandate we it's it's up to us to to really push that you know we we need to force people to use technology for technology's sake you know to get to get them to use these these tools and techniques and and platforms that will actually benefit them in the long run i mean it's like you said right at the start covid took everyone by surprise it knocked everybody for six but actually it's not it doesn't matter whether we whether we saw this coming or not it's the 21st century we should we should be prepared for for this kind of thing so like let's you know let's kind of let's use the tools at our disposal and and make learning a better experience there's a there's a really um there's a really great quote from um from he's an american researcher um called uh called don norman and there's a really great quote from him Uh, i just i think it's brilliant he says i'm not a fan of technology i'm a fan of pedagogy of understanding how people learn and the most effective learning methods but technology enables some uh, some exciting changes and i just think that's brilliant because it does you know technology when used properly and when used effectively can make a learning experience totally different like yeah. um, I came to observe you in a session a few weeks ago, didn't I? And you were using clickers, and it's something that we want to talk about on a on a different episode. So so watch out for that. Yeah. Um, but you yeah. use clickers, and it is the absolute ideal bridge between an online technology, you know, like a real a real good piece of technology, but then also an analog technology, you know, like digital meets analog, um, yeah. and it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant tool. And it's a it's a good starting point for some educators who maybe want to use technology but don't have the full confidence at that at that point. Yeah, I think it's so right. And that clicker is it's such a nice little like a nice little tool. Like you say, we'll talk about it on a later, on a later episode. Yeah. But like you say, it's a nice mix of analog and digital. Specifically good in a trust where well, like ours, where it's not always so. Like for example, in in the Freeman Hospital. We'll have real issues sometimes with connect connectivity and so this is a great yeah. way of kind of yeah that nice ease into it and actually you don't need to have everyone connecting and you then and i think part of the issue and i think you you might agree with me on this but i think there's a, a couple of things i think there's a, a confidence and i think it's the ability when you're a, when you're an educator and you're introducing technologies into your sessions there is almost an expectation that you're able to support learners with that technology yeah. So for you become not just educator but also IT support at the same yes. time. Yeah. And I think 
that can really put people off. And I think that is something that COVID's really kind of shown because it's all very good having a go, but actually it's a very different story if you learn can't access it and you're not confident yourself in using it. That's so a really good point. That's okay. So I suppose because then you, then you become troubleshooter, don't you? And yeah. actually, you don't know if you're not totally confident with using it yourself, then you'll become, you know, right? Okay, we'll just leave that. So I'd say me one of the things B. really learned is yeah, it's plan B. It's having like right, okay, then what can I'm we do up. as let's, an alternative? Let's do this, yeah, let's do this with bits of paper instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah post-its. I always call it the post-its. The post-its I, used to, yeah. I used to use Padlet. I used to bring post-its in case the Padlet didn't work. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's that, it's having the, with confidence comes that knowing what to do if it goes wrong. And I think that's, you know, what's really key. But I think it's the playing around and the having a go. And I think that's the first step because once you've overcome that, I don't know what it is, it stresses me out because I've never used it before and I don't know where to start with it. Yeah. Once you've managed to use it in an informal way. And I think one of the things that it would be absolutely fantastic, I think, across the trust would be little workshops around that, you know, little workshops on this is how to use Starleaf and this is how to use Padlet. And obviously that's part of what we're doing with this podcast. Yeah. But also just like a have a go workshop. Yeah. Where people can come along for like 15 minutes, log in, create an account with someone there who's used it before and kind of muddle through together. Because it's really intimidating when you're speaking to someone who knows a lot about technology and you can feel really intimidated and, and almost sometimes you know, feel like a little bit stupid because mm-hmm. you kind of think, well, I should know this and you know, and then you're going to, you know, it's going to knock your confidence even more. So even just like that collective approach to it of like everyone kind of muddling their way through it is so much more beneficial. Well, I think sometimes as well, you don't really know what a thing's capable of until you've just had a play about with it. You know, this exactly. is this is one this is one thing that, that that we do quite a lot in the tell team and you'll you'll be super excited to do it when you when you join us. Is that is that quite often we'll just we'll just you know we'll we'll I say discover, but you know, we'll come across a new technology or a new kind of tool online or something like that and we'll just mess about with it for a bit. I I, I always refer to it as a check it and wreck it. So we'll like we'll we'll play about with it, see if we can break it, but you know, we don't know what it's capable of until until we you know until we've played about with it for a while um so just just to to kind of wrap up i guess um what do you um (laughs) you're chuckling you're chuckling there because you and i could just talk for hours and hours about everything i know i've just got started (laughs) i love looking at the clock and it's i was in warm job until about five minutes ago i was all like there's plenty there's plenty more topics on my padlet to talk about fear not (laughs) Um, so just kind of wrapping up, what do you think, um, so from from the start of COVID to this point, you know, everybody's talking about, I hate the term as well, but everybody's talking about the new normal, okay? What do you think the future of kind of education is is going to be as a result of this? Because I know everybody's saying it's not, it's never going to go back to the way it was, but it it might. Do you, do you think this has actually changed the education landscape? How do you, you know, what, what do you see the future of education like within the trust and wider? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? I think, well, I think in terms of the way we're currently working, I can't see that changing until we get a vaccine. Um, and I think this is the new normal, ultimately. Um, and I think, actually... 
one of the things that it's done is it's made us question the old ways of working. Yeah. Um, and actually, just because I've always done it that way, doesn't mean we need to now continue doing it that way. So I would hope, I mean, we hope, I'll tell you what my hope is, is that we'll continue to work in that reflective approach because um, as we've seen, it can be done. You know, we can deliver high quality learning in a, obviously, I, you know, I know I'm preaching at the quiet here, but I think... I think in, a, in an ideal world, it would be a shift in attitude towards technology and a, a kind of innovative approach to, yeah, digital online learning and packages. Um, I, in terms of the future of education, I think I really don't see us ever going back to, and I say this in inverted commas, normal, because actually what is normal education, you know, yeah. for me, it's about, you know, learning's learning and you know what can you can create learning in any environment um if you have the right tools to do it um so i think hmm, i don't know if i'm answering your question here really but i think i'm I'm maybe giving you my wish list of things that i (laughs) go go for it do it i mean i'm sort of what about you what do you think well I'm, i'm inclined to agree with you for the most part i do i do think there will be so when when we get back to the point where where we can sort of meet in groups or maybe we don't have to wear masks or what have you, I I can't help but think. I mean, I'm you're the optimist. I'm the I'm the pessimist. I do think we will. <laughs> I do think we'll kind of backtrack a little bit. So I do think we'll. I do think it'll go back to to classroom delivery. And there's definitely a place for that. I'm I'm certainly not insinuating that everything should be you know should be some kind of online delivery or or, or alternative. Um, but I do think that, that those classroom educate, you know, those sort of classroom education um, packages will be a bit more tech savvy. So I think they'll, I think there'll be an adoption of, you know, using using video case studies and things instead of like printed ones, or maybe there'll be the, you know, the 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 adi- uh, the addition of some of those kind of online tools that were that we're going to be talking, you know, kind of formative assessment tools and things like that. Uh, things like turning point or you know so I, I do I think I, I think it's almost inevitable that we'll go back to classroom sessions uh, but I don't know I'm, I'm I'm I am kind of optimistic I am optimistic that the new normal will will actually include a lot more online delivery or will include more forms of asynchronous delivery I think there's there's a there's a there's a an early thirst uh from from a lot of people that i've spoken to about doing things in in kind of um in more efficient ways so kind of breaking you know breaking down four hour sessions into kind of little yeah. little kind you know in a little bite-sized segments and learning on demand and 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 it's having really interesting. just to add on to that point sorry to interrupt you there oh, but i went to a, a webinar well the webinar that you sent me um yeah. and i was doing a bit of cpd so i went over on friday morning and there was a guy from the university of kent talking about the way that they have broken down sessions and i loved the model that they had used because they were creating a so it was a full day of teaching so they'd condensed a week's worth of teaching into two days which sounds like it's really overwhelming really intense um but what I really loved about this is that he actually had learner feedback. And I think that is something we haven't really talked about. It's actually, we've talked about what's great for educators and what's going to work, but actually I you know, it would be great to hear from our learners and find out what works for them. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, putting, that, I'm putting that on the, on the, 
Yeah, I'm putting that on the Padlet board for another for another <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> um, and they are condensing that in a, they're doing four 50 minute lectures a day because they were talking about and you know that I love a bit of cognitive load because that yes. is one of my key things yeah talking about cognitive load and actually they've found that condensing the lectures into 50 minute slots and they've done a lot of investment in their educators in their lecturers they've done a lot of work together in finding out what works lots of focus groups with learners lots of it's like a collaborative approach which obviously i love when i was like this is amazing um, <laughs> you're messaging but, me all the way through going this part this webinar is brilliant <laughs> i just thought it was it was so fantastic that it was a collaborative effort because the learners had kind of talked about which days they'd prefer so i think they, do, they were doing all day tuesday and wednesday and then there was an option to have a tutorial on the thursday and then some of the feedback was that they wanted to spill out and and i just think that and they were saying this is something that we're looking to keep forever because this works the engagement is fantastic the retention is working really well the learners are on course they're you know they're meeting the targets that we'll be expecting them to and meeting deadlines and actually they're you know more productive mm. you condensing the learning down and i just think like that's such a lovely example of yeah. how actually that is then new normal but it works and, it, yeah. and it's it's you know, they've always done like across five days and seminars and lectures and we've spread it out. But actually I love that 50 minute cognitive load. So they do four of those in one long day and then learners have time to go away and dissect and then they come back and do a seminar and discuss what's been talked about in the lectures. And I just thought that's a really nice example of, of how, what is, uh, I think it was something like biomedical science. Quite an yeah, intense quite a hefty topic. <laughs> quite a meaty topic to break down into 50 minute lectures but when we think about cognitive load actually online teaching is such a perfect way to kind of decrease that cognitive load if you're well, not certainly, just talking from a powerpoint yeah well, well certainly online asynchronous methods are, are, a, are a brilliant way to, to to decrease that because you can you can pause rewind you can restart sections i mean this is this is my whole thing about about online versus classroom i mean i you know i personally learn better that way probably yeah. probably stemming from the fact that i've been a distance learning student for about 17 years you know um so i'm used to i'm used to being able to learn at my own pace but i don't i don't deal well in classrooms you know i'm not I'm, i sit down in a classroom and somebody talks at me for three or four hours I don't take it all in. I'm better if I can just, yeah. if I can do it at my own pace, you know, I need to, I need to read things three or four times before they'll sink in properly. Yeah. Um, so that's, so there you go. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's a perfect place to round up. That's certainly something we could think about, um, uh, think about in terms of the, in terms of the trust for, for going forward. Um, yeah. So I think we've, I think we've chatted, we could, we could just chat on for ages about this, couldn't we? I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, COVID's just sort of absolutely changed the changed the shape of education for you know certainly for the time being. I mean, whether it whether it persists in the long term, who knows? But you know, time will tell. Um, but there's no signs of it stopping yet, is there? Well, absolutely not. No, and I think, and even if it does, I don't think that that should. I think, yeah, I'm just worried that it's going to impact on all the work we've put in and the. Yeah progression that we've had that what is working because the feedback that I get from learners um is that the, the like the style of sessions that yeah. find the finding them engaging and, and I think you know it's obviously working for them so I think it's you know why would we be going back to an older way 
um, if the learners have feedback that they like the new way. So I think that's, you know, it's a topic for another day, but uh, yeah. yeah. But so I guess it all comes down to evaluation. As long as we evaluate and then we can we can prove that it's working this way, it it gets it continues to be done this way then, doesn't it? So Exactly. And interestingly, just to add on this, is that our referrals in the safeguard team are higher than ever. So obviously the training hasn't been impacted because you know, we're seeing the results of that. So that, that sounds, just training, but that sounds like a bad thing that referrals are higher, but it's not necessarily, is it? It just no. it, it no. means that pe- people are people are more aware and more likely to to report things. Yeah, they're, they're, things yeah. That they're fine too. Yeah. Especially in these times. So yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Good chat then. <laughs> good chat. <laughs> good chat. Good talk, friend. Yeah. Good talk, friend. Yeah. I'm sure you can tell by that that Sarah and I could have just kept chatting for ages. We'd originally planned on just 30 minutes, but we just got right into the, right into the topic. Uh, so that's the end of our first episode there. I hope we've chatted about something that was useful to you or that it's at least got you thinking about your own practice. We've got a whole bunch of uh, topic ideas in mind um, and we've been chatting endlessly about different things that we can talk about. But if there's anything specific you want to hear us chat about or you want to get involved in a chat yourself, please do just get in touch with us. You know, we're, we're more than happy to to have uh, guests on the uh, on the podcast and, and talk about any anything that's relevant to, to people. In the next episode, we're aiming to talk about gamification, so the difference between game-based learning and gamification techniques and how you can introduce game-based learning in your sessions. Um, There's going to be three of us, so that's me, Sarah, and we're going to be joined by Stephen Brown, uh, another one of our learning technologists on the Technology Enhanced Learning team. Uh, So watch out for that one. Thanks for listening.